Seven Lamb Productions presents Atlas Avenue Beat Case One The Silver Casket Part Nine An Open Book And they sent you here? They said that your office was a mess and you were working out of your home for the time being. They gave me the address. I hope that's okay. No, it's fine. Terrence had shown up at my apartment. He claimed that his father's death was not just a shooting, but a robbery gone sour. Really sour. Like Sour Patch Kids without the sweet ending. He provided some pictures of his art room, which I took to the couch with me. So, this is where you live? Yes, it is. You don't own any other places? It's rather small and dirty and cheap. Is there a problem? Sorry about that. It's just the last time I entered a place like this, I was picking out a suit and toy. I'm talking about my closet. My closet's bigger than your apartment. Well, good for you. Rich people. I tried to ignore them as I examined each photo. When did you take these? Earlier today. I don't often go into the art room. Hell, I don't often go into the East Wing. Most of my family thinks it's haunted with ghosts and spirits and wisps. Wisps? Your house is haunted by cooking utensils. No, wisps. You know, those weird things. Mysterious, decrepit, sad eyes. Sounds like Peter Falk. I bet imagine many Peter Falks crawling around your attic and inside your walls, chewing on the cables. Now it sounds like you have a rat infestation. Really? Rats? I think I would know if I had a rat infestation. I mean, who's the botanist here? Neither of us. And it wouldn't matter because rats aren't plants. I found it odd that you didn't realize the item was stolen. I told you. Haunted East Wing. Right. See? You could see the dust outline on the stand. That was a rare vase, made of jewels, ivory and crustaceans. It was expensive, one of a kind. It was imported from China. The ancient Chinese family of the Kurosawas had it made to ward off evil. If the east side of your house is haunted, it doesn't look like it's working that well. No, but I love it. It's so rare. An old geologist found it on a dig in the Qingchong region. They thought it would never be found. Hell, not even the famous explorer Indiana Jones could find it. Well, he's fictional. Even so, it went up for auction and I had to have it. I paid top dollar for it. Really. All the money in the bottom of my wallet was thrown out. What in the hell are you talking about? I need it back. Whoever killed my father must have stolen the vase. I had a weird feeling in my stomach and although I thought I could probably associate that with the green gas station sushi I ate for lunch, some of it was linked to Terence's story. How much did I really know about Terence or his family? They were nuts and that was about it. He just now realized something was stolen? And instead of his father's murderer taking priority, now it was this missing vase? Were these two things related? You said you know who took it? I do. His name is Evan Greenbaum. Terence explained his odd rivalry with the Greenbaums. In May of 1995, Evan Greenbaum, his wife Charlotte Greenbaum, and their then-baby Polly Greenbaum bought the house next door to the O'Reilly's. 
Apparently, the O'Reillys wanted to buy the house next door and turn it into a six-car garage, but they held off on their offer trying to drive the price lower. When the Greenbaums bought the house, the O'Reillys were furious. They had nowhere to park their cars, even though the Greenbaums offered to let them keep their cars in their two-car garage since the Greenbaums only used public transportation. The O'Reillys refused and were disgusted by the Greenbaums' green ways. Then in September of that same year, the Greenbaums, trying to bury the hatchet, brought over a cake to give to the O'Reillys. Little did they know, but the O'Reillys hated cinnamon. And although there was no cinnamon on or in the cake, it had a kind of cinnamony smell, and this drove the O'Reillys crazy. The feud has continued ever since. Really? Cinnamon? I don't like the smell of it. I have to say, it seems like Evan Greenbaum is a nice guy. No. He's the devil, thank you very much, and his wife is the devil's wife, and her daughter is Rosemary's baby or the omen or some shite. The movie Rosemary's Baby was actually based on the Green Bombs. I thought it was based on a book by Ira Levin. No, it's a documentary. I have to say, it seems like most of the animosity is coming from your family. So? So do you really think they stole your expensive vase? There's a bear shite in the woods. Okay, I get it. No, really, I'd like to know. And while we're at it, where did the armadillo shite? Uh, probably in the woods. The woods sound like a disgusting place, don't they? Terrence had already given me money for this case... Half now, he said, half when it's solved and Desmond is free. Half was enough. It was more than I had made in an entire year. I was now able to buy nicer soups and nicer meals, save for that gas station sushi. It was just spur of the moment. As much as I liked being a P.I., sneaking around, solving cases, helping people, I felt this would be out of my control. He needed fingerprints. He needed a search warrant. He needed the KHPD. I decided to call Paul and give him the newly discovered information. He was giddy. He would be able to do another stakeout. He loves stakeouts now. I talked to Paul. Paul went. He said he'll help you and investigate this matter. They're reopening the case and the duty has become Paul's. He's on his way over to collect all the files and pictures. So that's it for you? I'm afraid it's out of my hands. Will Desmond be freed? We're running out of time. Paul's a good guy. I decided to lie. He's good at what he does. His partner Arthur Phelps is also a good guy and a good detective. Still lying. They will investigate this matter, and if it turns out that this Evan Greenbaum really did steal your vase, then there's a good chance he's the culprit behind your father's death. Thank you. I walked Terrence out and went back to my couch. Edith came back from lunch soon after. I decided to go for a walk. Even though the outside world was gray and windy, I told her Paul would be here later in the day to gather the O'Reilly case files. It's funny. I've worked on the case for less than a week, and here I am handing it off to someone else. But what could I do? It was a matter for the police now. Hopefully Terrence wouldn't ask for his money back if his friend remained in jail past Saturday. Sorry, pal. No refunds. As I came out of the apartment building door, I bumped into a woman. Sorry, ma'am. Ma'am? It was Angela. She wore a light blue cardigan sweater over a white tee. And her jeans were tight, making her ass look like all that and more. Angela, I'm... I mean, Angie, what are you, uh, what are you doing here? Coming to see you. Are you going somewhere? Nowhere important. Have you eaten? Of course. If you don't eat and drink, you won't grow up and you'll die. The body needs nourishment, and while most people eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I usually slip in a few snack times, too. Have you ever heard about calories? I meant today. Now. Have you eaten lunch? Oh, no, I haven't. Would you care to grab something? Yes, that ass. What the hell, did I just have a Paul moment? Sure. I saw a new Italian place opened up two blocks over. Mamma Mia SpaghettiOs. I've been meaning to try it out. 
We entered the dark restaurant with red, diamond-shaped carpet and greasy walls. Not many people were inside, but it was hard to tell since the lights were out in certain areas. We sat in a booth under a flicking fluorescent bulb. It doesn't look too nice. Hello. Welcome to Mamma Mia Spaghettioza. My name is John Luca Picard, and I will be your waiter. Can I start you off with a couple of drinks, sir? Water for me. I'll take a water, too. Oh, I'm so sorry. We're out of that. What do you care for anything else? You're out of water? Yeah, sorry. Could I interest you in a couple of Coronas? Maybe some warm tea. It's freshly made. I thought you didn't have water. How do you make fresh tea? We give you a tea bag. And you suck on it. There's already water in your mouth. Mm, no, thank you. Can I interest you in a nice cold lemonade? And how is that prepared? We are giving you a frozen lemon. And you suck on it. We'll just take a couple of Coronas. All righty. Interesting place. Tell me about it. I can't. I don't know anything about it. Yeah, me either. So, Angie, I tried calling you. I know. I'm sorry. You don't have to be sorry. I'm sure things aren't very easy right now. Did you look at the pictures? I can't. But I take your word for it. I just can't believe my husband was gay all this time. It was quite flamboyant. I went to see my lawyer today. We are getting a divorce. Ed has apologized multiple times, but I really don't want to speak to him right now. I can't even bear to look at him. Are you a homophobe? No, but he lied to me for a long time. Our whole relationship was a lie. You can stay with me if that helps. I don't know if I should. I don't want him to get the idea that I found someone else so fast. He did. The divorce may be a long process. I think it would be better if I just got a motel room. A sleazy motel? No, a nice one. Or I could just stay with my sister in Fambuki, Idaho. You're going to leave the city? Well... There's nothing for me here. I moved to Kenneth Heights because of Ed. That doesn't mean you have to leave because of him. I'm not saying you have to take me up on my offer, but you don't have to leave this city. I just feel we're not the same people we were in high school. While the feelings seem to have emerged again, I feel like it's purely physical. What are you talking about? Sex. No, I knew that. I just don't think it would be wise to stay with you, even if it happened to be only for three or four weeks. If you're worried about how this relationship is progressing... That's the word. Relationship. I care for you, but it's a troubling time for me right now. I don't want to treat you as just some rebound. We already succumbed to our desires once, and we probably shouldn't have. Both of us have a lot going on right now. Also, you're not the open book I once knew. As much as I feel I know you, there's even more that I don't know about you. What made you come here? What was the incident that got you released from the KHPD? Who was your ex-wife? Why do you call her the She-Devil? Why don't you like technology? Here are your drinks. Have you had a chance to look at the menus? No, 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 no. No menus are needed. Let the chef here explain what we got on the menus. Your mouth will water with the appetite. You're the chef? Of course I'm the chef. It's me, Marek. Marek? Uh, no, no, no. It's a me, 
Rick. It sounded like you were gonna say Mario. No, it's me, Merrick. Merk? Merrick. America? America? Merk. Mark? That's it. Oh, Mark. Yes, yes. Welcome to our restaurant. We have lots of good food. Our special today is the stuffed ravioli. Filled with a six of cheeses and some capicola, a lighter sauce of marinara, and a whopping toppings of olives, oregano, and a cheese of parmigiana. Well, that sounds interesting. You got all that? Ah, uh, I am uh, sorry. I have a uh, thick accent. Yes, and I'm not sure what accent that is. I'm Italiano, of course. Are you really Italian? Of course I am. Born and raised in Potenza. My mother was a cobbler and my father was a stone salesman. You need a shoe cobbled or a stone, you came to me, Mama and Papa Stora. Italiano, cobblagona. They combine the words cobble and stone? No. Cobblagona is the family name. It just so happens that it is a combination of what turned out to be my mama's and my papa's professions combined. What a coincidence. In Italiana, we do not believe in the coincidences, just a big footer, and sometimes the fairies. Oh. You want to try the special? Sure. Two specials, please. Buono! That means a good. Coming right up. I think that's a fake accent. You want to know why I moved here? I don't need to. It's just, I wish you were more open. You can talk to me. Remember those nights our senior year when you would drive out to the edge of the airport and watch the airplanes take off? We would sit there for hours, talking and watching as the planes disappeared into the clouds. We used to guess where the planes were heading. You always said Costa Rica, even though it wasn't an international airport. Yeah, then you'd make fun of me. Then you would get mad and throw a hissy fit. Then you would hold out some chocolates and ask me to forgive you. But I wouldn't. But then I would smash the chocolates into your face and point my finger at you like it was a gun. And then you would shoot your fake gun at me and I would pretend that my head was made of chocolate and you just made it explode. (sighs) We had an odd relationship, didn't we? It wasn't normal. But I miss that person. I'm not trying to hide anything. I act this way because it makes me a better P.I. I don't use technology because Philip Marlowe never used technology. Who's Philip Marlowe? Humphrey Bogart's character in The Big Sleep. Humphrey Bogart? That's right. Humphrey Bogart, Sterling Hayden, Dana Andrews. These are my idols. They just play detectives in movies. I know that. I can differentiate real life and make-believe. I wouldn't be mentioning the mutilation of Carter at this dinner. Then why does it matter if you act like they do? They didn't use certain technologies because they didn't have them at the time. It was an easier way of life, though. My life is devoid of any kind of technology that was created after 1955. Because of this, I get more person-to-person interactions. My detective skills are top-notch by my own rating. And I don't waste time sitting on my couch watching Teen Mom. For someone who is so old school, you sure make some up-to-date references. I still listen to the radio. I watch some TV. And when I have extra time, I head to the cinema to catch a new film. I have to say, your explanation has some valid points. And some invalid ones, but let's concentrate on the valid ones for the time being. And uh, here is uh, your food. Well, that was fast. They set down the plates of food and I nearly jumped out of my seat. Two large cockroaches were crawling in and out of the ravioli. What the hell is this? What the? This. 
These bugs crawling out of my food. No, no, no. Those are uh, almonds. <laughs> yeah, uh, almonds. Those most certainly are not almonds. One of them is hissing. Okay, enjoy ya. No, get back here. You served us food with bugs in it. There's a praying mantis in mine. Disgusting. It's a mistake. I'll have the waiters bring another entree. What about a nice bowl of spaghetti? Are there cockroaches in it? No. Praying mantises? No. Fine. Wait. Are there any worms in it? Mm-hmm. No. That's it. We're out of here. I'm calling the health inspector. Wait. You got us. I'm not really from Italia. It's Italy. Whatever. I'm not Italian. I'm from Memphis. And yes, there are bugs in there. But that's because we can't keep this place clean. Why? Because this isn't really a restaurant. It's an abandoned building that me and my two brothers turned into a fake restaurant. We're hard up for cash, so we thought we would try to make a restaurant and sell food. But none of us can cook. An abandoned building, huh? Explains the lighting. Honestly, you're the only guests that are in here. The people in the other booths are just cardboard cutouts. And the chatter you hear? Well, that's a tape recorder. This place is gross. Please, don't call an inspector. We really need the money. Are you guys poor? Orphans? Uh, no. We're rich. But our mommy, she won't buy us a PlayStation 4, so... Okay, goodbye. But the waiter, we want to play the new Call of Duty. Angela made a call on her cell phone, and 20 minutes later, cops, a health inspector, the kid's parents, and a couple of mimes showed up. Not sure where the mimes showed up, but they were entertaining. Angela and I watched them for a while until she had to head back home. You sure you don't want to pick up something to eat? We could stop by Terry's Diner or Arby's. It's okay. I'll get something later. I need to get home and pack some things. I want to do it before Ed gets off of work. Right. I walked her to her place. She stopped and turned to me. She opened up her purse and pulled out a small box. This is for you. What for? It's for helping me out. I know that you had another case, and yet you still help me. It's just something small to say thank you. I opened it. A small gun was inside. You bought me a gun? No, it's a lighter. She put a cigarette in her mouth, grabbed the gun, and pointed it at the end of the cigarette. She pulled the trigger, and a small flame emerged, lighting the cigarette. I like that. I thought you would. Have a good day, Angela. I hope you decide to stick around. Kenneth Heights is a nice place. You've almost been shot. Old people drive like maniacs here. You're solving a murder case, and some nut jobs just try to make us eat bugs so that they could play video games. Well, at least it's not Detroit. Good point. Good day, Jim. And Angela, if you'd like to get together again, I'll be free for a while. We could, you know, talk about things. I'd like that. And I still want to hear about this she-devil. She smiled and head inside. 
I didn't want her to leave. Was I falling for this dame? I arrived back at my house around 2.30. Right when I entered, Edith ran up to me. She was on the phone. There's been an accident! Where? That tubby lard Paul was hurt on a stakeout! He's in the hospital! Atlas Avenue Beat. Written and edited by Robert M. Lamb. Starring Jack Austin as Locke. Amy LeRae as Edith, Jose Caraballo as Paul, Brian Messick as Arthur, Shannon McCarthy as Lorraine, Megan Austin as Angela, co-starring Hope Ennis, Amber Simpson, Shannon Lee, Mike Butler, Ashley Wilkins, John Lassaveth, Jean Lamb, Mike Lenhart, Matthew Manning, and Robert M. Lamb. Music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. If you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to rate and review on iTunes. This has been a Seven Lamb production.